Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Hello, my name is Sherry Budziak, and I'm the host of the Association 4.0 podcast. I'm also co-founder of .org Community and founder and CEO of .org Source, a consultancy to associations. Today, my guest is Rob Rubito. Rob is the Senior Director of Program Development at the American College of Chest Physicians, or just CHEST. Uh, Rob directs education, program creation, instructional design, accreditation, and online learning. CHEST is the leading professional association in innovative chest medicine. The organization advances the best health outcomes for patients with lung disease through education, advocacy, research, and philanthropy. CHEST is the professional home for more than 22,000 pulmonary care, critical care, and sleep medicine professionals seeking clinical education and connection to the worldwide chest medicine community. So welcome, Rob. I know this is going to be a fun conversation today. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Sherry. I'm looking forward to it, too. So thanks for joining me. Um, why don't you tell our audience about CHEST and your responsibilities and maybe a little bit of background about your professional journey? Yeah, CHEST is, uh, as you uh, uh, more than adequately described, is, is uh, an organization focused on education, research, advocacy, and, and CHEST medicine. Uh, and um, I've worked for CHEST for 14 years. Um, but I didn't start out in medical education. I actually graduated with a theater degree, uh, worked in Chicago for a number of years, directing, uh, set designing in my studio apartment, um, and acting uh, in theater. And um, uh, and then just by accident, uh, while temping uh, at Northwestern, uh, landed a full-time job in the residency program in anesthesiology uh, in the Northwestern Medical Association. Mm. So, uh, and then I've been working in medical education for the last 20 years. Yeah, that's great. I know I've, I have friends that their um, kids have graduated and they can't, they're haven't determined kind of their paths or, but they're like, well, my degree's in X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, we'll find you a job in association management. I promise <laughs> you. <laughs> Um, so anyway, um, so Rob, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, kind of the shift that the pandemic brought in perspective on professional development. And I guess what changes are you seeing and what are learners, are they asking for things differently now? Um, and I guess how is chess kind of adapting these days? Yeah, the, the, uh, I mean, the pandemic was insane for everybody and especially the the medical community especially for our medical community which are the pulmonary critical care clinicians who were taking care of covid patients during the pandemic i mean i feel like before the pandemic very few people knew what pulmonary critical care or pccm physician was mm -hmm. uh, and now i feel like so many more people know uh, what those doctors do uh, and, um, you know, so while some people were shut down, I mean, my wife was 
she's a professional costume designer I mean, professional theater was shut down for many months. She was busy taking care of uh, our daughter's schooling at that time. Uh, So, uh, but, uh, and I was in our basement um, just working like crazy. It was an insane time. And, uh, you know, any way that we could get access to relevant information and help our our clinicians take better care of their COVID patients was what we were doing. And um, I, it seems, you know, and so there was burnout, um, there was stress, um, the, the information was ever changing. Um, you know, as soon as you put out a, a piece of education, it seems like, you know, a month later, you had to put out something new because yeah. there was new evidence coming out to, to change care. And, um, you know, I feel like now, with the pandemic mostly behind us, or it, you know, I, um, I, I still see the, the effects uh, in our learners and our faculty, um, you know, relative to they just need everything to be relevant. They need it. They need to to learn quickly. They don't want to waste time. Uh, they value their time with their their families more than ever. Uh, and, uh, it, it's, it, it seems like it's, it's a bit more challenging to get people's attention. Uh, and, and, and if you're not getting their attention with something very relevant, that's going to be very meaningful to them in practice, then they're not interested. Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing that everywhere. It's just, um, yeah, it's just kind of things change people's perspective and where their priorities are. And so I think getting in front of them and like you said having things that are very timely and um worth their time right is really important um so you know a different topic i'm just curious to ask you about i've I've got a couple ai presentations coming up and i've become i guess i'm trying to become the expert of the unknown um so we're all (laughs) talking about ai um and you know, I can imagine that there's an important role for AI um, in the learning environment. So, are you seeing any trends on the horizon? It's so uh, uh, fascinating, and um, and the information is just coming at us so quickly. Um, yeah. As soon as you click on one AI article, all of a sudden you have a hundred in your feed, and uh, it feels like there's always something new to learn about what AI can and and can't do for you. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, my approach is to 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 figure out what how AI can can help uh, us do our jobs better. I think there's all kinds of critics out there. It's easy to point your finger at something new and and talk about what's wrong with it, talk about how it's going to take everybody's jobs. Um, uh, but I think the harder work is to figure out what it can do for you and how can it make uh, you know medical education more more impactful. Uh, and, you know, so uh, I, I read this article about Sam Altman, who created ChatGPT in the Atlantic. Uh, and, you know, I think it's important to, to remember that, you know, uh, ChatGPT it, in its essence is, is uh, predicting the next, next most likely word. That's what ChatGPT does. It, 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 it answers a word and then it searches its database and then puts the next word and does that over and over again until it has an answer to your question. Uh, and so at its essence, it, it's analyzing and predicting. And so I think um, 
that's the best use for AI right now, especially Jet Chat GPT. Uh, and looking at, uh, you know, for instance, our learning outcomes at Chest and mm -hmm. figuring out where the gaps are, figuring out um, even just assessing all of the qualitative information that we're pulling in from our learners and and identifying trends. It seems like a very simple thing, but I don't know about you, but you know, we collect all kinds of feedback from our learners and um, you know, uh, expected changes in practice and all of this qualitative textual information. Uh, and it's always been really difficult to analyze. Uh, and now I feel like we have an ability to, to really collate it and look at it and see what our learners in mass are telling us. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And, and it is, with associations, we do have all this data and it is always like, what are we doing with it and how do we analyze it and the time that it takes to do that. So I absolutely think that there's a lot of opportunities there um, for for folks to explore. Um, so I'm curious your thoughts. You know, I think that AI also bring can bring is going to bring significant shifts in the way that physicians practice. Um, Rob, how do you feel that associations can help their members kind of change or you know navigate this disruption with with AI? You know, I think the key to helping our members, our community navigate AI is, is to be a source of truth, right? Um, and we've always been a, a source of truth uh, in the association world for our members. Um, so, and what that means is a place for them to come together and wrestle with the challenges that they're facing, uh, come together and wrestle with the new tools that they're called on using to, to, to treat patients and give better patient care. And I think, um, you know, at our core, our, our mission doesn't change. We bring together the community and help the community address the, the current challenges we're facing. Yeah, I remember it kind of, rem it reminds me a little bit, um, although back to when I started my career, I worked at the neurosurgeons and we were one of the first associations to have to build a website and we were educating mm -hmm. our members. Then we were giving them lit literally, I don't know if you remember Rob, but the AOL like discs and we were handing <laughs> it to them. And then we had this big fancy website and then it wouldn't load. It'd take like five minutes to load. And we had all this content on there and it was just magnificent. At least we thought so. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the and so we were spending a lot of time educating and getting our members kind of up to speed on what's next. The, the I guess, scary thing or challenging thing with AI, as you said, kind of when we started this conversation, it's just moving so quickly. Like we had time, we had like two years to build a website, like we had all this time. And now, like, you know, I, I was saying the other day, I was like, the AI tools that I bought a few months ago, there's other ones that will leapfrog them. And so it's constantly, you know, being, you know, better and better and better technology. So it, I think it'll be challenging for the associations and the staff to like stay on top of that to end up helping its members. Um, but the, I think the, the promising thing or the exciting thing is, you know, we hear about, you mentioned too about like um, taking jobs. Well, we also hear there's not enough people in the healthcare right field so how are we going to be able to utilize those tools so they can do their jobs 
easier and better. Um, and, you know, those types of things. So anyway, those are just some things I'm thinking about. Absolutely. You know, I, I uh, it's easy with all these, you know, shiny new toys um, to get wrapped up in, in what these, these tools can do for us and forget about what our mission is. I, I think if we, if we stay hardwired to what our mission is as an organization, then, then, uh, then it becomes much more clear about how we help our community use these tools, use new technology to, to do what we aim to do, which is improve patient care and improve clinical practice. Um, it's easy to forget, you know, you can, we have a, a VR education at chest and, um, we're exploring how we use VR to, to, uh, deliver education and, and change, um, patient care. Uh, but it's difficult, right? Cause you jump into VR and you're, you're just amazed by the technology and, and the environment. And there's a lot of naysayers that say, oh, this is just, you know, it, it's for gamers and it's, it's just for fun. Uh, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to show you how to hold a bronchoscopy scope and navigate someone's lungs. Right. So, but um, it, there are things that it can help you do. Uh, and, and that's what you have to stay glued on is, is what are you aiming to improve? It's, it's adult learning 101, right? You know, yeah. what are the expected outcomes and let's, let's stay focused on that. Yeah. So I guess, um, another question I have for you, Rob, is do you see the, I guess we touched on it a little bit, but do you see the role of associations, um, and how, how they play like in, in the members lives kind of changing, like, um, you know, we talked about behavioral changes. Do you see associations playing a different role for your members in the future? I mean, I I, I would love for uh, us to, you know, remain a, a viable uh, community uh, for them to participate in. And I, I think that is our, our main challenge. I think how people participate in a communicate in a community is changing, right? Uh, and it may not be about a membership fee <laughs> yeah. uh, or an official kind of membership status. It may change. Um, you know, we, at Chess, we're not just looking at the number of our members. It's we're looking at the the number of people in our chest medicine community, and and how do we engage with them, and how do we how do we help them engage with each other? Uh, and and how do we get it out of the way of that? I, I think that's where associations, you know, that is the dance that we dance. It's, it's how do we provide meaningful information? How do we help them uh, move effectively along their career path, but at the same time, not uh, get in the way of them interacting with each other and, and, and creating things that we never expected to be created? Um, that, I mean, that's, that's the key. And I, I, I don't think, um, you know, that work really hasn't changed. I think we were doing that 10 years ago as associations and we need to continue working that way. Yeah. And I think everybody's needs are different. I used the example, I gave a presentation a few weeks ago and I said, I, I became a member of, which I said I was never going to do, but I did. I became a member of AARP. I was going to be like, I am not doing that. <laughs> but then there was this really great discount at the hotel. And so mm. 
that I was booking. And so I was like, all right, well now I'll, and of course, ARP dues are cheap. Are, and so I was like, all right, I'll join for the three years. And then now they send me things and I'm like, all right. I mean, I'll never be on a committee. Well, I shouldn't say never. Every time I say something like that, <laughs> it, it bites me. Um, but, but, you know, I have no intention on being engaged. So when we talk about engagement, but I'm happy that they're sending me services and products and things that they do. And I'm, and I have interest, right? So, you know, you've got folks like that. And then you've got the ones that are, you know, want to be really engaged and maybe are extroverts and want to engage. And so, as you said, I don't think any of that has changed. I think society obviously has changed a bit. So it'll be interesting just to see how we evolve um, as, I guess, people and associations over over the next five years. It's fascinating. You know, and I, I think, you know, people still crave community. And I think at its core, that's what we're offering as an association. and. Uh, we just have to, you know, we just have to evolve as far as what, what does community mean? Uh, and, you know, you're describing your experience with AARP and, and you're kind of on the periphery, uh, taking care of, a, you know, taking advantage of a few benefits, but you're in the community. And I think, I think as associations, we need to recognize that not every, uh, you know, uh, yeah, we need members who are engaged and, and participating and and uh, coming to our events and engaging in our education. Um, but but equally important is the person who maybe just, you know, uh, took one piece of information a year ago from chest and and but that's having an impact on them and they remember it. And maybe they will come back at some point and, and dive a little deeper with us. They're just as viable as a community member as the person we see every week at headquarters. Right, right. Um, so Rob, I had noticed on your LinkedIn that you talk about like the importance of, um, relevance in education. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I was, I just recently, uh, got my master's in education and adult learning. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the, the models we, we studied in our program was the ARCS model, which is a, a, it was developed by John Keller and it's just a way of looking at education design. And ARCS stands for attention, relevance, confidence, and satisfaction. And, and in that order is really kind of the, the journey of, of, of learning design. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it occurs, you know, it is, and relevance has really jumped out at me. You know, we can identify, um, a really key gap uh, uh, that needs to be addressed in medical education. But if our learners don't see that as relevant to their practice or relevant to um, their their world, um, th then they're not going to be interested in, in in learning addressing that gap. Um, addressing the gap isn't the end all be all. I, I really feel like relevance is. No one is going to show up for your program. If if they're not can if they don't see a, a a direct link back to their lives to their practice to their work, uh, and I don't know that we spend enough time focused on on relevance. Um, we're we're you know we're eager to change outcomes. We're eager to identify programs solving issues, um, but do are we spending enough time showing learners um, the relevance of what we're trying to do? 
Uh, and, and if we're not, no one's going to be there, <laughs> you know, so yeah. you can build it. It's, it's, I guess it's the notion that you can build it and they won't come. <laughs> so how do you build it and ensure that they will come? You have to communicate relevance in some way. Yeah, that's, that's a great, great point of great thoughts, Rob. Um, so I guess to kind of wrap it up today, I have one last question. Um, so I think, you know, association careers will undoubtedly change um, along with other industries. You know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately is what does association career going to look like in the future? Um, I talked a little bit about, you know, exploring AI and what does that mean? Um, so I guess what advice do you have for your colleagues to kind of help them succeed as they're, we're looking to the future here? Oh my goodness. I, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like I have more to learn from my colleagues than I could ever teach them. But, um, you know, the, the one thing that's top of mind for me is, is the value of, of collaboration, the value of partnership, mm -hmm. the power, the power of this discussion we're having today. Um, you know, I, it's, uh, you know, as, as associations become more business-minded and, um, I, I think it's easy to, you know, we tend to see each other as competitors more than, than partners. And I, I, especially with, with everything happening in the world today, coming at us a million miles an hour, uh, we are stronger if we're working together. We're stronger if we're talking to each other. We're stronger if we're, we're, we're leveraging each other's superpowers to solve the problems in today. And so I guess that, that I, that's my advice to myself and would be, you know, what I would want from others is, is partnership rather than, than competition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I recently had a conversation with some folks too that are other associations that are partnering with industry that are collaborating with um, what I would have considered competitive organizations, but they've figured out a way to make that work. Um, and I do think that there's a lot more opportunity in that. Um, it's hard to get our boards to wrap their heads around that sometimes, but um, but I definitely do think there's a lot of opportunity and um and i i also think like you know i was obviously you know that you know that's why we brought together dot org community because there was so much opportunity i'd be talking say to you and you're like oh do you know somebody who does x y and z and i'm like yeah you need to talk to them like i'm not the expert in all of these things and but i've got the connections and making really those connections count and i think it's it's hard today because we are at least part-time remote or a lot of people are full-time remote and um, you're losing, I think that connectivity, not only in the office and then people are um, also like, okay, well, I have to leave my house today. And um, <laughs> it takes a lot of extra effort. I even said it the does. other day, I'm like, I have to start like getting out and like being intentional about mm. those connections. And, and um, obviously I have the podcast, which is great because I can, force myself to be able to talk to people that I haven't talked to for a while. Um, but, uh, but I do think it's, it's important and a, and a big opportunity that we need to all think about. So love that. I mean, it's not, it's not always comfortable as you're highlighting, um, can be quite uncomfortable to talk to others who are different than you may have different missions, maybe a competitor. Um, 
often it's, it can be uncomfortable, but at, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's usually enlightening um, and you're better for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks Rob for your advice today. Um, and thanks to our listeners. I hope everybody enjoyed our episode. Um, so Rob, if somebody wants to get in touch with you and I don't know, just chat or connect, how can they do that? Uh, the perfect places on LinkedIn uh, uh, at Rob Rubito, um, or they can uh, reach me at uh, Rob here at gmail.com. Great. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Rob. It was great talking with you. Hope to see you soon. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. .org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.